Daryl Utt joins the show today to share with us the story of the Medal of Honor Museum, which is set to open in 2024 in Arlington, Texas. Daryl has an incredible backstory as a senior operations manager for the 10th Special Forces Group. He's a Green Beret who's continuing his service before self at the construction site of the new museum. I'm Brian Jodis. This is Pick Up the Six Podcast. Hey guys, Brian Jodis back for another episode of Pick Up the Six Podcast. I've got Daryl up with me. What's up, man? What's up, Brian? It's a, it's a pleasure to be here with you today. Man, well, thrilled to have you. Texas. That's right. And you're in the great state of Texas. There's yes. horns over my shoulder there from the great state of Texas during my time. And Wichita Falls, man, when I was working at a TV station there and you and I were just off air, just talking Texas geography and where you're at. Not too far from where we used to be up there by the Red River, but that's a beautiful part where you're at kind of Arlington area. Yeah. Uh, Hickory Creek. Yeah. Right. Hickory so, Creek in Denton right. County. Love it, man. That's good. Well, thrilled to have you, man. We're going to talk about the amazing work you're doing at the National Medal of Honor Museum, which is set to open late 24, early 25 ish. Yeah. That's man, right. Just what you guys are getting ready to do there, the mission behind it, why you're doing it. Obviously, massive fans of what you're doing here. We've had the incredible privilege. And I don't throw that around lightly with the amazing folks we've been able to talk to over the last 138-ish episodes of this podcast. And a handful of those folks have been Medal of Honor recipients, right? Like Melvin Moore, yeah, yeah, like Melvin Morris, Barney Barnum, old school guys, man. Uh, yeah, make them like those dudes 138 episodes. And it's been a lot of fun. Been a lot yeah, of fun yeah. and a real honor. And uh, I'm thrilled to have you on today, man. So first and foremost, just thanks for, thanks for popping on with us. Yeah, man, it's a privilege. It's a privilege to be here. Yeah, you've got a great background that involves uh, some pretty uh, epic stuff in the Army and big deal kind of things. We'll say things like Green Beret. But I want to talk to you first off the top because I'm an App State guy. I know you've got connections to the the beautiful town that is Boone, NC. You've got some loved ones up that way. But I also know your first exposure to Boone. I might be putting words in my mouth. Changed your life, and that's what it does to a lot of people, right? Yeah, it's actually uh, it it did. It changed uh, my family's life. You know, my son, my daughter, uh, both uh, graduated from Appalachian State. Um, my first experience. I think this is really neat, man. It's kind of a cool story, but my first experience and exposure to Boone, North Carolina, Appalachian State. I checked the year with my son uh, this morning. It was 2013. It was the fall. And this wasn't like planned, scheduled or anything like that. It was just like, it's the fall of 2013. Didn't really know much about what we were getting into uh, because I lived in Whispering Pines, uh, North Carolina at this time. So it's, you know, a good couple hour drive uh, from Whispering Pines right there in the Pinehurst area. Yeah. So fall 2013, uh, we decide uh, to do a little college scouting. And my son, he's in high school at the time. Yeah, yeah, he's in high school. He's getting ready to uh, to go to college and he needs to find a college, find a school. So we get in the car and we do a road trip, just me and him. Uh, We drive up to Boone and it's a beautiful fall day, 2013. And we start getting close to the town of Boone and the place is just rocking. It's rocking. Yeah. you know, still hadn't really dawned on us what's going on until, you know, a couple minutes into the traffic and the people and all this other type of stuff that was going on. But, uh, but we realized it was big game day Mm -hmm. uh, for Appalachian state. They had a home game. So we got to experience not only the beautiful fall 
North Carolina in the mountains, but we got to see the energy of the rock, you know, and Tindor stadium. Uh, that's right. In yeah, man, it was, it was just booming. And I think that we were both hooked, you know, yeah. father yeah. and son. We it's a special, hooked. it's a special place. I'm so glad that America got to see it this year. Right. So after that incredible win over Texas A&M, yeah. then college game day for college football announces, we're going to Boone. They're playing uh, Troy. Who are we playing? We're playing Troy. Carolina. Uh, now I'm blanking. Anyways, we, we won in an amazing, well, it was Troy. Yeah. So anyways, they go up the mountain, but they get to show everybody on college game day. Right. They get to show everybody what that place is like. When I was there in 1999 to 03, we were winning football games, but not at the level in which they do now. And so, were 2013, you man, you went up there during. I was there 99 to 03. Were you that? Was, that was. Uh, it was before they started winning. Michigan. It was before, it was before they started winning national championships. That was before they beat Michigan too. Yeah, right? won national championships 05, 06, 07, I think, if I've got my math correct, and yeah. beat Michigan the year after their first one AA national championship. That's so, big. no, I wasn't there for that. I was, I was, a, I was uh, a few years removed, but yeah, it's yeah. a special place, man. I get it. I love it. Yeah, man. It's a special place. My son went there. And then of course that exposed my daughter who's, you know, a few years younger than my son. So she ended up doing a couple of years at Sand Hills Community nice. College right there in Pinehurst. And, uh, and then she went and did her junior and senior year up at Appalachian state Some bleeding black so, and gold on this podcast. episode. Yeah, man. Yeah. Oh. Black and gold. I still got an app state sticker on my, on my vehicle. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> Texas. Yeah. I'm looking back over my shoulder over there. There it is. I got a, a little app state football helmet right there. Boom. Oh, okay. Right above the pick of the six. It's kind of hard to see. It's one of those little yeah. black helmets. I need to move it up uh, to make it a little that more. That one didn't prominent. catch my eye, but the the Giants helmet has definitely caught my eye, man. Where what's the well? Connection? If you're in Arlington, we might be we might be opposed. <laughs> yeah, man. What's I mean, the connection there with the? Yeah, my parents are from Northern New Jersey. My dad was born in Northern New Jersey. Uh, we were just always always been huge Giants fans, Giants Yankees fans. My folks are Jersey strong and Jersey proud. And so we just, we've always been big Giants fans. So yeah, you're probably man. a Cowboys guy. Get it. We're pulling for the Eagles in the Super Bowl. My wife's from Philly. So we're all in for the birds in the Super Bowl. Oh, wow. And, uh, wow. That's what we're going to do. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, uh, that helmet reminds me of Lawrence Taylor, man. It looks it's like Lawrence Taylor. Like it's Lomas Brown. It's, you know, it's just old school, right? Like it's that old school. I got that when I was a little kid, my brothers and I got those play football, you know, uniforms. And you, and it was a, we had an old, it was like a Phil Sims little paper thin Jersey, little pair of gray pants, that helmet. Uh, so there's another one hanging in the garage of my house. And then there's this one here that we leave here. So yeah, it's kind of yeah, old school. Man. Look, yeah. Old school smash right. mouth football, That's right. man. That's right. Smash mouth giants. Defense That's right. football. Yeah, man. It was when the NFC East was really something, you know, beating yeah. the Buffalo bills in four straight Super Bowls kind of thing. Yeah, I love yeah. it, man. Dude, we could just yeah. do this all day. We don't even, I mean, we got a lot of important stuff to talk about, but yeah, man, for <laughs> cool sure. too. Sure. Well, look, man, uh, just doing amazing work, right? You're the uh, chief of business operations for the National uh, Medal of Honor Museum. Um, I want to talk about that, but man, tell me a little bit about Daryl Lutt, the soldier, because you've got a pretty impressive resume. I went back and looked through some stuff. I was like, shit, Daryl's done some stuff in his day. Uh, that includes a Green Beret. So tell me about your journey, man, and path to path to the military and specifically the special forces side of it. Yeah, man, back in the day, back in the day. So uh, born and raised in Huntington, West Virginia, small little town in the South. Thundering herd. 
Yeah, man. Yeah. Right there where the thundering herd, Marshall University. Uh, but yeah, born and raised Huntington, West Virginia and uh, grew up all boy, you know, playing sports, uh, football, basketball, baseball. Was terrible at basketball, uh, decent at baseball and football. Uh, my dad also had me, uh, you know, hunting and fishing and mm -hmm. trapping. Um, so got to got to experience that. And I think that kind of helped shape my future. Yeah, uh, sure. Yeah. Um, you know, and then uh, luckily for me, my high school football time, I was exposed. My head football coach was a 19th group special forces uh, guy. Uh, coach Carl Thornburg. Um, so, you know, the way he ran that team and the way he treated us and, and he was a great mentor to me mm, and, yeah. um, you know, he kind of took us under, uh, me and a few other guys, he took us under his wing and, uh, exposed us to a little bit of what the military was going to be like. Uh, cause I think he realized that, you know, he had some kids on the football team that, probably weren't going to see a college right away. Right. Um, you know, I grew up humble beginnings, grew up poor. So, uh, so he, I'm glad he, he took us under his wing and uh, exposed us to a little bit of military life yeah. and encouraged us. So there was a lot of guys, man, I played football with, they either joined uh, the army, the Marine Corps, Air Force. I think we might have like a Navy or two guys. So, so that was kind of my start, man. Graduated high school in 1990, joined the army the next month. Um, started out in the combat arms, uh, as an infantryman mm -hmm. and, uh, did that for about six years and got to do some travel. Um, so that was, you know, that was really cool. And then I started, uh, I started checking out the whole special forces thing, you know, cause I, you know, being a young guy, you kind of needed for, at least for me, you know, I felt like I needed kind of a little confidence boost. Like, Hey, mm -hmm. is this something, you know, cause not everybody's cut out for that. Let's just be honest. Uh, so once I had about five or six years in, I was like, Hey, I think I can do this, uh, mentally strong and, uh, in good physical condition. And, uh, 1996, I, I went and did special forces assessment and selection and was fortunate enough to, to get picked up and went through the, uh, special forces qualification course and, mm -hmm graduated and uh and things kind of took off from there you know my first uh duty station as a special forces green beret i was uh i was assigned to first battalion 10th special forces group so i'm a 10th group guy um first four years i was in stuttgart germany and uh we dealt a lot with the air war all the stuff mm -hmm. that was going on in the balkans uh yeah. was knee deep into all that stuff into bosnia and yep. kosovo Yep, my old man was up at the J three at the Pentagon, late nineties during a lot of that Kosovo Bosnia stuff. Yeah, so yeah, time frame, I, right. Yeah, I saw where you're probably I guess mid to late nineties. Yeah, yeah, late yeah. for me it was late nineties, but yeah. yeah, that stuff was all going on mid mid to late nineties. But yeah, I saw where your dad. I think he was uh, he retired as a three star. Uh, he had a had a pretty good had a pretty good career. <laughs> he had sure a pretty good career, man. He did. <laughs> He did all right, man. 2013, he hung it up and uh, after 36 years in the United States Air Force and that flag in that case up there, he flew over the desert. Uh, so yeah, man, big reason why we started this podcast, you know, in February 21. Yeah, man, that's awesome. That's awesome. Congratulations on all the success that you've had with this podcast. But well, thank uh, you, brother. yeah, uh, once I once I left Germany, 
Uh, that was in the fall of 02. Mm -hmm. I went back to, to, uh, 10th group, Maine, uh, our main headquarters, Fort Carson, Colorado. And right when I got there, man, fall of 2002, we were prepping for the invasion. Yeah. It's uh, go time. Yep. Of Northern Iraq. So, um, so got there and just jumped right into planning, uh, for that. So, we went ahead and uh, did the initial infill in Iraq, which uh, I think you can see over my shoulder. Yeah, right over yeah. there. I got a picture of a of an MC-130. That was during Operation Ugly Baby. That was the initial infiltration into northern Iraq. We flew in from Jordan and uh, absolutely got lit up uh, mm. the whole time. Uh, they, they didn't really have a chance uh, our side. You know, we didn't have a chance to soften up all the AAA, the anti-aircraft artillery. Yeah. So, man, we we got lit up. Uh, on so that. ideally, right, going into something like that, we'd have our own aircraft, right, flying into those spaces and basically just trying to blow up everything that could hit you guys and coming in later, right? Yeah. And just sure. the way in which it was kind of flying quick, right? So I just yeah. talked to uh, Johnny Fast last week, and he was Air Force, Air Force Combat Controller right? They were going into Afghanistan. I think while you guys were going into potentially into Iraq, if I've got the timing kind of right. Yeah, this was, uh, we went in early 2003. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't designed. It wasn't set up that way. We were supposed to infiltrate in to Northern Iraq and link up with our Kurdish Peshmerga. We were supposed to come in from Turkey and we, that's where all of our gear and our vehicles, we had everything staged up yeah. there. NATO allies, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. last minute they got cold feet and said, Hey, uh, yeah, you guys aren't going to do that. We're, we're not going to authorize you guys to, to use our space or our airspace for that matter. So Which adds a whole nother degree of difficulty a, to all that. Yeah. That was yeah. a huge, uh, monkey wrench there. Um, so that's why we had to flex and we had to do that long infiltration with the MC-130 flying on the on the on the desert floor, man, uh, flying nap of the earth. So that was uh, that was pretty intense. Um, and then, you know, that kind of started things, you know, that started the whole Iraq uh, rotations for us. Uh, I was there 2003. I was there 2004, 2005, 2006, 2007. Uh, with those last couple of rotations, super, super intense, super yeah. violent. Yeah. Uh, those rotations were in Baghdad. And there was just, man, there was just so much going on. Baghdad, center of gravity, uh, civil war, you know, that we were dealing with. Uh, you know, the Sunnis were killing the Shia. The Shias were killing the Sunni. And it seemed mm -hmm. like the only thing that they could agree on was both sides hated Americans. So uh, we just found like, ourselves- Great, here we are. Yeah, yeah. We found mm -hmm. ourselves in the middle of that. Um, and that's when I was, you know, I was more senior. I was actually leading an operational detachment alpha, an ODA. I was a yep. team sergeant. So I was a senior, I was a senior enlisted member of a team. And, um, you know, we had two great rotations though. I had, I had a young team that was hungry and um they were down uh they were down the fight so um and we had plenty of that i mean we were in a compound in 06 on the uh, east side of the tigris river uh in a in a little suburb of baghdad called adamia and actually with the civil war you know that whole thing that was going on the shias had had came in and and basically pushed out a lot of the sunnis 
except for in Adamea. Mm. Uh, they had one of the largest Sunni mosques in Adamea. So there was no way they were going to leave that mosque and leave their, their area. So they kind of had a stronghold there. And because of that, there was just a lot of stuff going on, you know, and we just have well, to dude, just, it just illustrates, right? Like the depth in which they were all involved in this. I mean, you're talking about hundreds, thousands of years of history, yeah. man, wild time. I'm sure for you guys just to be around all that. Yeah. Not for to sure. mention just combat stuff. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, being there and trying to learn all the culture and, and like what you're saying, you know, you're dealing with, with folks that have been fighting back and forth for, you know, thousands of yeah. years. Yeah. Um, and then the whole Iraq, Iran dynamic and how all of those things started unfolding. Um, man, it was, it was an interesting time. I felt like I, I kind of got a PhD uh, from my time there in Iraq, especially those last two ra- rotations in Baghdad. But um, that was the pinnacle. That was the highlight mm-hmm. um, of my career was, you know, yeah. leading a, a ODA in combat for a couple of rotations. Uh, after that, um, I ended up going back to Fort, Fort Bragg, North Carolina, and I did my uh, did my instructor time and did some staff time and uh, and then I I ended up retiring after twenty six and a half years. That's awesome, man! Congratulations to you and thank you. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah, man, it was it was a it was a privilege for me to serve my country. You know, I started out as a kind of a young dumb kid that didn't really understand much, but uh, as I grew into my military time and my military service. I definitely learned uh, what it meant to uh, serve. I think you have a you have a saying. I don't know if this is your saying, Brian, or if this is your dad's saying, but I saw it on your site there. Service before self. Yeah. Um, so I've got this keychain. My keys are <laughs> today's a good day, right? Within reach. The date is July second, two thousand and four. It's the day my dad pinned on as a his first star as a uh, as a general, and so it's always just been. It's always been something he, he he didn't create it, but it's always been something that just is has meant a lot. And it's something that we kind of etched on our family's uh, kind of value system. Right. And it's a big reason why we started this. We want to highlight stories about people who have gone above and beyond specifically through service before self. We talk about strength of purpose and community impact, but that service before self is, is doing something outside of yourself. You got to see people, guys and gals do that every day. Yeah. Yeah, man, for sure. I, I really like that, man. Service before self. And I feel like as a country, just mm. my opinion, obviously, but I feel like that as a country, we really need to get back to that. Yep. I think we've kind of ventured uh, away from that service uh, before self. And, and I think it's hurting. I mean, dude, you probably know this as well as I do. I mean, our recruiting efforts, our retention efforts mm. uh, across all branches of service Yep. I, I think I just saw something this morning that it might have been, I don't know which branch or maybe it was all of them, but it was one of the worst recruiting years since Vietnam. And, uh, you know, just the military, man, they're having a hard time uh, recruiting folks. Yep. Uh, they're having a hard time uh, retaining good folks. And uh, yeah, man, it's it's an issue. We're going to have to solve that for sure. Yeah, it's an issue we're going to have to solve that because uh, geopolitical foes are ramping up efforts, adding people to rank. So it's something to think about. And 
I mean, look, uh, I would make the argument too that more folks that go to Washington, D.C. to put a suit and a tie on to serve in the nation's capital, had they served in some capacity, might set them up to make de- decisions a little differently too. Um, yeah. It just it means a little bit more to send America's treasure over there if you yourself have been willing to put your life on the line to do it. Um, yeah, so, sure. yeah, I hear you. We, we're we're uh, in sync on that, my friend, for sure. And look, man, we're a small part of it. Like part of what I'm trying to do here, what we're doing with you guys, the listeners, you listeners who are a big part of this is to lean in and share stories about this so we can remember all folks have done, right? And that's yeah. a huge part of what you guys are doing through this National Medal of Honor Museum, right? You're creating a living legacy, a place to go to not just honor, but to learn, to get engaged with those who have been awarded our nation's highest honor, right? That medal of honor is the most prestigious thing. I think a soldier, airman, Marine coast guard can have uh, draped around their neck, right? Is that medal of honor for incredible yeah. heroism. Yeah, for sure, man. So, so tell me how you got there, man. And what this thing's going to be all about. I'm excited for you guys, man. I can't wait for it to get here. Excited yeah. to get to Texas and come see it, but man, Tell us what's going well, on. Well, man, if you're ever down in Texas uh, before, you don't have to come down here just right when it opens. Yeah. If you want to come down before and and do an exclusive tour of the construction site and the preview center, would love to host you. Just let me know. Uh, we Hard commit. Let's make it. We'll time. make that happen. Yep. Yeah, man. Would love uh, would love to host you and have you down here. So my career, man, uh, once I retired, I retired out of Fort Bragg. Uh, surprisingly enough, I followed uh, a guy that used to work for me. Uh, I followed him. He had uh, he had gotten a job at the Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C. Yeah, I and saw it, that. I was fascinated by that. Yeah, yeah, That's man. cool. Yeah, yeah. It was under construction, and they got him for, like, the global effort, okay. uh, you know, because we had a lot of folks that were going overseas and going to Israel and Africa and all kinds of other places. So he was more on the global side. And I just happened to make a comment to him. I was up in DC doing some uh, surveillance training and I was still in, I was, I was getting ready to hit my heavy, you know, retirement process, but uh, I kind of made a side comment. I said, Hey man, if you, if you need any help, let me know. Um, Yeah. Just give me a call. And it it kind of like, like, nothing will ever happen. You know, nothing will come of this, but uh, man, I'll be darned. Couple of weeks later, I believe he called me. Uh, this is one of my good pals that lives in uh, uh, lives in Texas, uh, Ryan Land. He actually lives in Kerrville, Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Ryan uh, gave me a call. He's like, "Hey, man, were you serious about that? Like, would you really entertain working at a museum? Because it's kind of a weird a museum about the Bible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's a, a weird transition different. to go from right. a special forces Green Beret right to you know, working at the museum of the Bible. Yeah. Uh, but I told him, I said, Hey man, yeah. There's some pretty good war stories in that book. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, he needed a director of security. He needed someone yeah. full time in DC. So, uh, so I actually started working there before I actually fully retired. I started working there in the summer of 16, uh, ended up, you know, I was director of security for a couple of years during construction phase, during the grand opening and day-to-day ops, uh, did director of security, did director of operations, um, did that for about three years. And then I transitioned over to a security firm, a world-renowned firm, Thornton Tomasetti, mm. uh, do a lot of security work, um, did that for a couple of years. And I was in that role 
when I came across uh, Chris Cassidy, who is the CEO and the president of the National Medal of Honor Museum Foundation, who just happens to be a former Navy SEAL and an astronaut. Mm -hmm. And he's an MIT grad. So pretty, a lot of us joke. Pretty good pedigree. Yeah, he's the classic underachiever. Right. You yeah. know? Yeah, should probably do more yeah. with his life. Yeah, yeah. Uh, classic underachiever. Man, he's absolutely uh, a great guy. Great guy. But I met Chris um, in my role as kind of a security operations consultant. Had a conversation with him and uh, I had a black notebook and I opened it up and I started sharing some notes, you know, from my days at the Museum of Bible during construction yeah, days yeah. and all of that, all the lessons learned, because it's a really complex, you know, it's a complex endeavor to build and open a museum uh, and to do it correctly and sure. to get a lot of people interested in the museum. Uh so I started sharing some lessons learned with Chris and, and that kind of started our relationship. And uh, before I knew it, he said, Hey, would you be interested in, in joining the team and, and coming and work here? And I was like, absolutely, man. And, and I felt like, um, and I still feel like this, uh, Brian, it's a way for me to continue to serve. It's, it's probably the same way that you feel with, with having such a successful podcast and you're reaching so many people it's it's a way for you to serve. That's right. And and for me being in the role that I'm in, um, I feel like I'm service before self. You know, I'm still yeah. I'm still serving. Yeah. I have a greater a greater cause and something that drives me every day. And and I would tell you, man, there's nothing more important than this. There there have been a few times I've been at the construction site, and we'll have Medal of Honor recipients that will be at the site and they're looking, you know, maybe for the first or second time they're looking at the site and they're seeing it build up from the ground, you know, yeah. from the slab to the mega columns to the steel. And I'm seeing this and I'm just seeing the look in their eyes. And, and there's a few times that I've heard uh, at least one individual say, I just want to be alive when this mm. place is built. Yeah. And it's like, man, that hits, that hits me right in the heart. And it's like, man, that's that's the reason that you wake up in the morning and you're motivated and you're driven. You want to do a great job. Uh, as you as you mentioned, I mean, the the Medal of Honor recipients, it's the highest it's the highest award for valor. They just don't give those things out to anybody. Yep. I mean, it's a very prestigious. I mean, we only have 64 living Medal of Honor recipients. Yeah. Out of 3, God, we, we've lost some legends recently. Woody Williams. Oh, yeah, man. My, I'm so, I'm Woody. So, oh, my gosh. Just legends, man. Yeah. Legends. yeah. And Woody, Woody was a fellow West Virginian, man. And yeah. um, I, we I, missed, I, we missed, this is not about me, but we missed having him on this show by probably about six months of health. We, uh, we uh -huh. had it scheduled and he just, he hit poor health and we were just never able to do it. And I was like, damn, so close. <laughs> To, yeah, uh, being man. able to talk to him. But you think about like, and there is something incredibly powerful, right? The weight of obviously being awarded that medal, but being around those guys, you know, uh, last March, I got to spend the day with four or five living recipients and just being around those gentlemen in person. It just, they're, they're rarefied air of, of those who have, you know, done really incredible things on behalf of our nation. What they all would tell you is 
I was just doing, I was doing what I was supposed to do, just doing my job. Right. But the stuff they do, I mean, guys go back and listen to an episode with Melvin Morris when he talks about his commanding officer is killed on the battlefield. And not only is he like, I got to get his body out of here because that's my brother, but he dropped like three maps and I got to go get the maps because if the VC gets the maps, we're totally screwed. And he went all the way back in to get the guy and get the maps to protect other guys from getting killed in combat. So it's just, yeah, it's, it's absolutely amazing. And, and to be able to build a physical structure like that for them, for their families, for their legacy, knowing that as time goes on, we'll lose them. That's pretty neat. It's pretty yeah. incredible. It's gotta be a hell of an undertaking to build something like that. For sure, man. And, and Brian, I want to hit up on something that you just said that you, you had a chance last year to spend some time with a couple of, of yeah. recipients. I have to pinch myself and uh and I I say this to the staff um constantly when when we when we're around uh recipients. You know, man, I spent 26 and a half years in the military, 26 and a half years active duty, US Army. I was only ever around one Medal of Honor recipient that whole entire time. Mm. Uh, and that was Bob Howard, uh, who was just an absolute beast, legend, special forces, you know, just, I mean, absolute legend. Um, and even being around him just for like an hour or two, it was like, hey, don't bother him. Don't talk to him. Don't ask for pictures. Right. Right. He was just there to kind of give a speech and, uh, you know, have some inspiring words for for some special forces guys. But. But, you know, and now uh, working at the foundation, I mean, it wasn't that long ago that we had a lunch. You know, they they catered some lunch and Brett Slobinski, mm-hmm. uh, U.S. Navy SEAL, uh, Medal of Honor recipient from Afghanistan. You know, he sat there and had lunch with us and the staff had an opportunity to, to ask questions and and he was in a great mood and he's sharing stories. And it's just like, man, this is crazy. We just did salute to service, you know, Dallas Cowboys, big mm-hmm. partners, big yeah. supporters of ours. Uh, Charlotte Jones from the Dallas Cowboys. She's the chairwoman of our board. Uh, very powerful, uh, very engaging, super, super patriot. Uh, that, I mean, Charlotte and the Jones family. Yeah. Uh, so impressive. I mean, just, I mean, with their success. Sure. You know, like wow how far how far will you guys be your location to where uh where that whole where their stadium is where at&t stadium dude yes i mean you got you can see it it's beautiful oh it's great yeah yeah it's that's great uh, yeah it's seconds away minute you know minute walking uh maybe a couple minutes but but it's right there man i mean having this place strategically in mm-hmm. Arlington. I mean, it's right beside Globe Life Field where the Texas Rangers play. It's right beside AT&T Stadium where the Cowboys play. Um, man, they're they're building up the area. It's going to it's going to be amazing. They're getting ready to put an 888 room hotel in with a huge nice. uh, convention awesome, center. Man. Uh I mean, we're strategically located with with, you know, Dallas Fort Worth. We have Dallas Love Field. You know, in this area, in the in the Dallas Fort Worth area, I think we have like eight eight million people. Uh, Pre COVID, we had about fifty million people visiting that area. Uh, Texas is one of two states in the country that are over thirty million population. 
I think we just hit over 30. California has been past 30 million for a while, but yeah, but they're all coming to Texas now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what I hear. They, we got a lot of California. Hey, you can welcome if you don't bring all your bullshit. With you. <laughs> just yeah. one guy's opinion, but I mean, you know, yeah, don't you guys? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but we're really excited, man. Yeah. Uh, we have a great staff. I got some great colleagues on the executive that's awesome, team, man. And some wicked smart people that I get to get a chance to work with, and they're all very passionate, uh, very passionate about our mission, you know, to inspire yeah. America. And some of these stories, man, some of these stories from the recipients are so powerful. And that's what we're really, we're focused in on those stories, yep. you know, personal is universal. Yep. And uh, I just learned that from, from one of my good friends, Scott Mann, who's a, who's a retired Lieutenant Colonel special forces. Uh, he's doing a play called last out. Uh, we might have a chance to talk about that later on, but, Sweet. but yeah, man, we got some great stories that we're wanting to share. Cause you know, we're trying to highlight the fact these were ordinary people that did extraordinary, extraordinary things. things. That's exactly right. Way above exactly right. Call of Duty, yep. but these are ordinary people that did extraordinary things. And what lessons can we glean from these recipients? You know, we talk a lot about the values. Uh, there's six values that, that go along, you know, courage, sacrifice, commitment, integrity, citizenship, patriotism, you know, you don't have to have a rifle in your hand or be in Syria or, you know, yep. be fighting Al Qaeda to have courage or sacrifice. Right. Maybe right. you can glean something from these stories from these recipients and, and maybe you can display courage in your life. Uh, maybe you're taking care of a, of a sick family member or someone has cancer, you know, that's courage, that's sacrifice, that's commitment. You know, there's a lot of things we want people to go through our exhibit space and, and really learn that lesson. Like, man, these were ordinary people that did extraordinary things. And some of these recipients, I mean, it's fascinating to me as I've learned more and more, you know, some of these uh, guys were bullied in school, you know, some of the, like uh, Roy Benavidez, uh, re, you know, special forces, master sergeant, Roy Benavidez from Texas, Yep. you know, uh, Vietnam Medal of Honor recipient. I mean, his upbringing and his life, he was an orphan. He didn't do that well in school. You know, he was uh, part Indian, part Mexican and, and, you know, he was discriminated against. Sure. You know. But he's Melvin. Still, yeah. Melvin would share similar stories with you about growing up in the backwoods of Oklahoma, learning yeah, how to man. hunt and trap, like you talked about before. So when the army needed him then to go do the things he had to do, he's like, "I've been doing this my whole life." Exactly. And most people would look down on it. Man, I haven't. Uh, it's interesting that you. So I didn't know that Melvin Morris Dude. grew up. I know he. I know this small town Oklahoma, like. Dude, I know he's a huge fishing. fisherman. Yes, but I didn't know he grew up. Go back and go back and listen to our chat. I've Which episode him, is that? Do you know? Man, just I'll have to go look at it because I've talked okay. to him twice. Right, once like we're doing right now, where we recorded it virtually, and then the other time on the deck of the USS Yorktown a year ago, we got to meet in person. Which what a blast! I mean, what a blast to meet him in person. But man, yeah, I, I mean, just like backwoods kind of guy, right? Like, and most yeah. people would be like. And he's super humble, man. Oh he's my God, a super he's humble best. guy. Great. I uh I've I've been around him a couple of times. He was uh, eating snakes before people would call you guys snake eater. I snake mean, eaters. Yeah. Right. He was eating snakes before eating snakes was cool. That's right. 
I, uh, I've, I've been able to spend a little bit of time with Melvin, uh, kind of in the vicinity of, of him. Well, he's such a good servant to the metal too. He really yeah. pours a lot into it. I've never, a lot of guys do. I just know him the best, you know, of the folks that I've met just cause I've spent a little bit of time around him. Yeah. Yeah. I know he's a huge fisherman. Uh, I, act, I actually had the absolute privilege I was at the the Congressional Medal of Honor Society, their last function that they did nice. in Nashville, uh last Shout year. out to uh, Falkenberry and all the folks at Congressional Medal of Honor Society. Oh, yeah, man. Big friends yeah. of theirs, big fans of what they're doing. Love, obviously. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, man. They do great stuff. But uh, I, I sat down to eat breakfast. I think I was getting ready to fly out, and I sat down to eat breakfast. And right behind me, it just happened to be Melvin Morris and his wife. And I was yeah. able to kind of uh, secretly set it up where I paid for their breakfast. Oh, good move. I and, love that. Yep. Yeah, man. And I wrote like a little note on on the receipt, you know, that they brought out. And I said, hey, it was an absolute privilege and an honor for me to, to purchase your, you know, to pay for mm. your breakfast. And I, I put my name and I put my number on there. And I'll be darned, man. Uh, Mrs. Morris sent me a text and said, hey, Beautiful. that was very kind you didn't have to do that, but yeah. we appreciate. I mean, just so nice so and great. So people. good. He's episode I, twenty-seven. Twenty-seven. Wild. I, <laughs> I can't wait to listen to it. So we have yeah, a podcast. Not trying to steal. Uh, no, a, tell us all I, about it. This is what we do here, man. Tell us all. We about have it. a podcast. It's Mission Inspire. Beautiful. And the po- the podcast host, her name's Mo Mo Barrett. But dude, um, I find it fascinating when Mo has the Medal of Honor recipients uh, on her show. Yeah. Uh, she's had David Bellavia. She's had Jake Jacobs, Pat Brady, uh, Kyle Carpenter. Mm-hmm. I mean, and just for me, as, as someone that works at the foundation, when I can hear them speaking on the podcast and Mo asks those questions like, well, what do you think? Uh, what do you, you know, what are you most excited about with this museum in Texas? And, and I have, I have some of their comments because I just think it's so important. I wrote down a few of their comments. Let me see if I can find, find a few here. I know education is one that they talk about. Like that's a, that's a big one for them. Like they think that's so important, uh, the educational value and let's see amazing cause to bring people together learn the values the six values that we talked about uh stories and names will not be forgotten dna of our country it goes beyond the metal mm. great education center put our differences aside allow yourself to be inspired pat brady can't love this country if you don't know this country uh, Another Pat Brady, the medal doesn't make us special, but it allows us to do special things. Mm. And finally, see the attitudes and values that drive people to take care of other people. Uh, that's coming directly from the recipients. Uh, I was so inspired to ask one of my colleagues, uh, Corey Crowley, who who sets all of that up. I asked him, I said, hey, man, is it possible to get like the transcripts? Because... I'm doing it old school, West Virginia style, man. I'm listening to the podcast, stopping it. Jotting it all down. Yeah. 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 And it's taken me, you know, an hour to do something that would probably be like two minutes, but I was like, Hey man, is there a possible, is, is it possible to do like the transcripts of these podcasts? Because they are absolutely laying out some just gold mine information. 
that really helps us direction wise, you know, while we're in construction and, yeah. and while we're sure. going through the whole process. Sure. It, it sure keeps you connected to the why. Yeah, it keeps you yeah. connected to the why because the monotony in the day to day of building a structure like that can get, you know, yeah, you're kind of down in the weeds of it. So to remember yeah. why you're doing it, that's awesome. Yeah, man. Great, sure. This is a great way to look at it. Well, listen, man, this is a huge effort, right? Still, guys, got some runway in front of you. You probably need some help, right? We've got an engaged listener base here. What can these folks do to to get engaged, to help, to support? When can they go and see it? You know, just give me an info dump. Yeah, man. Well, they can go to our website, uh, mohmuseum.org. Uh, they can follow us. What will really help too. They can follow us on social media. Yep. Um, we're active. Like, you know, I'm only on LinkedIn, so that's all I see. As we talked about, I think before yep. before we went live, but I'm only on LinkedIn, so I only see the LinkedIn stuff. But I know that the the foundations on all the other social medias. Um, I do, I do a lot of posts uh, on the National Medal of Honor Museum Foundation. Do updates. Actually, I'm getting ready to do one tomorrow that I'm excited about. Once a month, um, I'll do like an update. Uh, like a monthly update that I just do on, on LinkedIn. So, so I'm looking forward to that. You'll see that tomorrow. Um, but, but yeah, man, we're still fundraising. We're still deep into fundraising. We have yep. millions of dollars still to raise. Uh, so we're always looking for friends yep. uh, that are willing to help, you know, donate. Uh, we have a membership program that'll be launching here in the next couple months. We, we'd be, you know, super happy, super excited if if we had some folks that, that wanted to partake in that. I mean, that would be really exciting, but, but yeah, man, just looking for friends. We're looking for money. We're looking for support. We're looking yep. for followers. Uh, we're looking for friends. Uh, if you have someone in Texas, uh, if any of the listeners in Texas, if they can reach out to me on LinkedIn, uh, there's not a lot of Daryl Lutz uh, running around out there, uh, but they can, they can link up with me on uh, LinkedIn. And uh, I'll try to help them out. And we do some tours and that's awesome. uh, from time to time, man, we do a lot of events. Uh, a lot of folks, you know, with Chris being uh, our, for, you know, our CEO and, and president being a former astronaut, a lot of folks are fascinated with his background. So we do a lot of uh, speaking events. Uh, Chris is there. We have a lot of Medal of Honor recipients that come out and do engagements. And, and it's a, it's just an opportunity for us to, to get linked up with folks. Uh, so yeah, man, yeah. reach out. And I'd be happy to try to facilitate and set some of those things up. Hit up the website. It's mohmuseum.org. And at the top right, you see a nice yellow donate now button. So that's step one, right? Go there and do that. <laughs> Please. What's great is you guys, you can see just it's loaded with interactive uh, virtual videos that show you well, you can see just how close you are to the baseball stadium uh, that show yeah. you uh, what it's going to look like in there, what this thing's going to be like. Obviously, just the incredible impact they're going to have by being there, right? The men uh, the men and women that they're going to honor by building this thing. But go to that website, man. Check it out. That's where you can find Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. You can do exactly what Daryl's encouraging you to do and uh, give him a follow, give him some support. And then once this thing is done, and you go out there and see it. We all need to make a trip to Texas and our Texas listeners can go check it out. It's going to be amazing, man. I wish you well over the next uh, year-ish, right? Is this yeah. To go and uh, man, just excited for what the potential will be to have a place, such a special place like this in an area that we know will appreciate it. We'll really appreciate it. 
Oh yeah, for sure, man. We're, uh, we're fired up. We're excited. Awesome. It's the national medal of honor museum. He's Daryl. He's done some incredible stuff on behalf of our nation. So first and foremost, Daryl, we just, we always thank you for that. And then, uh, found a way to keep no, by no surprise, found a way to keep serving here by being a part of this thing. It's been fun, man. Privilege. All right, go check them out. It's M O H museum.org. The national medal of honor museum, hoping to open late 24, maybe early 25. And uh, just continue that legacy of America's most prestigious award for our military members, the medal of honor. He's Daryl Lutt. I'm Brian Jodis. That's been this episode of pick up a six podcast.